Hey, this is Harpo the Healer. Welcome to Harping with Harpo Podcast. This is uh, what we're on now, Series 2, Episode 4. And RJ and I are going to go through this incredible, incredible story, Charge of the Light Brigade, that a lot of you have probably heard of in uh, the famous Lord Tennyson's uh, poem. But we're going to be talking about the Battle of Balaclava and this incredible story, this unbelievable um accounts of bravery and heroes, heroics and all the rest of it, but yet um, futile and mindless slaughter. So I need to get straight into it, so I'm just going to go run through a couple of things here. The Crimean War uh, came about with the decline of Turkish Empire, losing influence in the Balkans. And there was kind of a religious kind of falling out in Jerusalem held a, a ruled Turkey and France uh, being the sort of protector of the Catholics and the Russian Orthodox clergy had a bit of a falling out. And of course, Russia, with the decline of the Ottomans, there was a chance to gain dominance in the, um, the entrance to the Mediterranean through the Turkish Straits. And Britain and France were joining together to join Turkey, and Turkey declared war on Russia in 1853. And in 1854, uh, there's a Franco-British fleet arrives in, uh, in the Crimean. So you, the listener, is going to have the choice of uh, picking who you think's to blame for this at the end of our discussion. But just to facilitate things for you as a listener, imagine that you're looking down from a very large height, um, the Sapporn Heights in this case, and you're with the command of the Commander-in-Chief, Lord Raglan and his staff. You're at the best vantage point, and in front of you, you're looking east, and you observe a valley, which we'll call the North Valley. That's the valley where they have the charge of the Light Brigade. And to the right is another valley, which we'll call the South Valley. And the causeway heights are, for ease of the imagination, on the left side of that southern valley. Now, the Balaclava battle was a three-phase action. Two actions appear in the southern valley. And the third action, well, that appears in the valley directly in front, the north valley. That's where the charge of the light brigade takes place. To be crystal clear with the order, the famous order of Raglan's in its entirety, Lord Raglan wishes the cavalry to advance rapidly to the front, follow the enemy and try to prevent the enemy from carrying away the guns. Troop horse artillery may accompany. French cavalry on your left. Immediate. R. Airy. Hey, how's it going today, RJ? Yeah, it's going fine, Harpo. It's good. Good to hear you. Yeah, good to hear you. Well, today we're going to be doing Charge of the Light Brigade for all our listeners. Well, you know, why are we doing Charge of the Light Brigade? It's 20 minutes of action and it's uh, used as a learning tool throughout the world in military academies and some businesses, business executives use it as what not to do and uh, miscommunication or whatever and um, a terrible catastrophic blunder and why it happened. And, uh, and yet throughout the ages, um, history has a habit of uh, repeating itself, such as the human condition. Just before you uh, kick us off with telling us about um, the actual battle, then we can discuss it, RJ. In 1854, 40 years after Waterloo, not a great deal has changed. Um, Technology is moving forward. Uh, my era that I used to be into was the Napoleonic era, was because warfare peaked. It's a peak time of warfare, and that's why people tend to study it, which and then it can be applied to any any type of military history uh, area you want to look at. And that's why. But there's still a lot of Napoleonic thinking theory in the uh, 1850s and the machine gun. Well, that's not going to really take a regular appearance till after the 1860s and after the American Civil War We're into the 1870s. 
but we have got more accurate firepower than we did say in 1815 at the Battle of Waterloo. That's the situation. Um, so on the 14th of September 1854, the British and French to support the Turks invaded Crimea and the mission was to destroy the naval base at Sevastopol and sink the Russian fleet. And hopefully they can knock it out. And then so they're setting themselves up at a little fishing village called Balaclava, which, uh, as we know, RJ, lots of people will have heard of. Those things that I used to wear as a kid, the balaclava. Yeah, absolutely, so, yeah, yeah. You don't see them so much these days, do you? Yeah, it was the people back home, apparently, were knitting these things and sending them out for the winter ah. for the winter to these guys that were housed in balaclava, I believe. Ah, that's that's okay. kind of how it goes. Okay. So, basically, we're in a stage now where the Russians attacked balaclava on the 25th of October. The Turkish guns from number one redoubt on the Causeway Heights fired on the Russians around 0600. Uh, it was the Allies' uh, advanced defences and the Battle of Balaclava had started. Brits had already been starting their bombardment of uh, Sevastopol, but they hadn't um, really been very serious, or let's put it this way, they, hadn't, they weren't as secure as they should be. They'd got redoubts and they'd got uh, Turkish numbers up on the redoubts um, as a, a warning for them, but uh, they ended up being attacked by the Russians and that sort of kicked things off and messed things up a bit and then a battle ensues from that although there had been a, a couple of battles before then this was their reaction to it and it was sort of the third phase of a battle where this charge of the light brigade appears and so if you kick us off with exactly uh, what happened RJ yeah okay then thanks that's great great introduction um, Harper it's an interesting one it's one of these probably quite famous actually for us you know, 167 mm. years later, because it still gets taught, mainly for a poem that came out by Lord Tennyson. Oh, yeah. Called Charge of the Light Brigade. So that's probably what most people know when you say Charge of the Light Brigade. Absolutely. So that's probably why we know more these days. But really, basically, what happened was, on that 25th of October, there was a commander in charge, and he was sitting up on the top of a hill, so he could see everything that was going on. His name was Lord Raglan, and he was watching from this ridge. And all of a sudden, he saw these Russians stealing some guns from what you call these redouts, which are kind of earth fortresses. Yeah, earthworks. Big earthworks, earthworks yeah. I think. So I think they yes. were British guns. Were they British guns? Yeah, they were British guns, but they were um, uh, British naval guns, 12-pounders. Mm. And they were, as I recall... They were manned by the Turkish troops and they yeah. sent one British NCO up there, either a corporal or a sergeant, who was kind of running the show with 600 Turkish guys. Yeah. One NCO. But that right. was in these redoubts. And they were like the sort of the the forward looking right towards the road, hopefully to to warn everybody if something yeah. like this was going to happen. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, yeah, but then they got carried off, yeah. Well, so, yeah, they got carried off by the Russians, and Lord Raglan then writes, he can see this happening, and he's not happy about this, so he writes this little message, this note, this famous message. Shall I read it? Because it's yes, not very yes. long. I'll read it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll read sure. it out. Excellent, it's, yeah. So he says, it says this, Lord Raglan wishes the cavalry to advance rapidly to the front, follow the enemy and try to prevent the enemy from carrying away the guns. Now, he wrote that 
he actually had his senior kind of staff officer who wrote it in his best copper plate writing. So I'm not sure I'll yeah, be able to yeah. read it. And there's a little extra bit he puts on that as well, isn't it? Does he say something else? I'm not sure, actually. I've got that as the one. Yeah, and then he but says hey, something you... else. He says, troop, horse, artillery, may accompany. Right, OK, then. OK, yeah. so he's got that. So then he gives it to this really keen captain, who's another key player in the whole story. He's oh, yeah, Captain I love him. Nolan. Yeah, he's brilliant, yeah. this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's fantastic, this guy. Now, they pick him because he's really fast on the horse. Yes. He gets yeah. the note and he races down to... Another two key characters, Lord Lucan. Lord Lucan, now he's generally in charge of the brigades, I guess. Is he in charge of all the brigades? The yeah, light he's brigades, in charge of the whole, the whole cavalry, yeah. Yeah. He's and his deputy, he's got a deputy, and he's called Lord Cardigan. Uh, so they're two characters that kind of will make the decision, I guess. They get given this note by Lord Nolan, and Lord Nolan oh, kind of... Nolan. Yeah. Captain Nolan, so Captain yeah. Nolan, too many lords going on. There's too many lords, yeah. <laughs> be a time lord next. Yeah. <laughs> so Captain Nolan's really keen. He's keen, keen, keen. And he's really, he doesn't like these two lords. But anyway, he's really keen and he says, come on, let's get on there. Let's stop these guys stealing the guns. And they're kind of going, look, we, because they're down on the valley floor. They're saying, we can't see what you're talking about. We can't see, it's, this is madness. If we go in there, we can see these Russian big, heavy duty cannons at the end. We can't see the. Well, all we can, all we know is, is we've got fires, firing that's going to be happening on all flanks. Is this would be a suicide mission? Why are you telling us to do this? And Captain Nolan just says, "Look, it's orders from Lord Raglan. You've got to do them. Attack immediately." Now, this is that's quite contentious, isn't it? Because they say he said that, but. It doesn't seem to be written in the notes, does it? Attack immediately. So he was just getting really carried away. And I think he wanted to see a bit of action, possibly. So anyway, they decide to start this sort of advancement. And so that's, I think that's at 11.10 on that 25th of October. And it all in all, it takes about seven minutes for them to actually get to the Russians because they they're on horses. And the 676 cavalry people... They accelerate to a trot, they keep going, but as they're going, the minutes are passing, and as they're going, they are getting bombarded by Russian fire, but, you know, cannons flying everywhere. They were lucky, apparently, that the Russians only had muskets, because as you said, they didn't have rifles. They still had a little bit of old technology there. They only had muskets, which meant they fire one shot, then they got to reload it, and they got to... That's right. Um, they fire again. So they were, yeah. they were helped in that sense, but basically, they are getting slaughtered. And that is the charge of the Light Brigade. 195 survived, and it really is a fiasco. So the two things that came from it were the poem, because that, that actually came from a war reporter who reported that battle. And it came back to Russell, yeah. Yeah, came back wrote three for weeks, the Times. Wrote for the Times. Three yeah. weeks after that battle, it came back, and everybody's going, what is going on? This is crazy. We've lost all these fantastic guys in a really stupid suicide mission, and that is the battle charged yeah. the Light Brigade. That's so, right, because when you're going talking about the actual order there, when mm -hmm. Nolan gets down, and uh, uh, Captain Nolan said um, that the cavalry should attack immediately, mm -hmm. and we'll come back to that word attack, because... Uh, it's um it's conjecture uh, whether whether they use the word attack because that wasn't used by Raglan. 
And of course, Luke and saying, attack what, sir? What gun, sir? Uh, what and what to do? And there, my lord, says uh, Nolan, and flings out his hand in gesture, in, in more rage than anything else, and points um, points to the enemy guns, basically a couple of mile and a half down the uh, North yeah, Valley. About, and yeah. then he didn't really swing it round. He, he just says, um, there, my lord, there is your enemy, and there are your guns leaving uh, Luke and absolutely dumbfounded. And then he, he trots off, Nolan trots off to Captain Morris and asks his, uh, if he could have the honour to charge with the 17th Lancers. So he leaves Luke and then to go over to Cardigan and tell him, as you quite rightly say, to do something which is, um, you know, almost like, well, we need a futile gesture at this stage and you're yeah. it. And yeah. of course, Cardigan and Luke and hated each other. Yeah, I think uh, right. one of them was married to the other one's sister. Yeah. And the, there was a big fallout, and uh, yeah. they hated each other. And yeah. Nolan, he was um, well. We'll go through. We'll, we can go through some of their their ideas in a minute. But what we could do for the for the listener at this stage, what is a crazy thing, as you know, is is basically they're asked six hundred seventy three men to ask to charge front on down a uh, down a valley, which is what mile two point four kilometers, mile and a half long, mm. guns at the end. There's guns and riflemen on both flanks, on yeah. the hills, hills on one side, ridge on the other, or as you quite rightly say, and he's telling them to go down there, or oh, that's what they interpret the order to be. And of course, when they do actually charge under Cardigan, he, he, he complains, doesn't he? And he mm-hmm. says, uh, he, he points out that there are guns in the, on the flanks and it's against all the articles of war to actually mm-hmm. charge guns from the front, as you quite rightly say. But yeah. he says, well, what, cha- what option have you got? You've got to obey it. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Cardigan salutes him and um, mm. basically mm. does it. And I know on his left flank, he had the chasseurs, chasseurs d'Afrique, uh, the uh, French cavalry. Yeah, because it was an allied, wasn't it? We they were, were allied. I think they the went French, in, They we? actually did actually charge home on, on the left flank of the guns. but um, And they did OK, but, but they were obviously behind this lot. But mm. if we just backtrack slightly into this... Yeah. Um, for the listener, what we've got with cavalry, um, it was a, a light, as, as RJ's just mentioned there, it was a light cavalry charge. Now, cavalry is like a shock arm and it's used for, you know, we've got and you've got heavy cavalry, medium cavalry and light cavalry. In, mm. modern, in modern day life, you'd have like light tanks that can do 70 mile an hour cross country, 65 mm. small 30 millimeter cannon, perhaps. And mm. they will. They will be on reconnaissance missions. They don't want mm. to get involved with anything. No. Um, and uh, then you've got your heavy tanks and heavy armor, which is a lot slower. Well, back in the day, light cavalry. Light cavalry was used for harassing troops. It was used for screening troop movements, used for reconnaissance. And notably for pursuing enemy troops who are routing, or in other words, in layman's terms, their morale's gone, they're broken. And they're running away and the light troops, the light cavalry will go in and hopefully cut them down and destroy them as they're running away to prevent any possibility of uh, reforming, hopefully destroying morale. And a push would be used perhaps to support heavy cavalry, but uh, rarely. And their swords have a slight curve on them. Right. It's a cut. At this time in the Crimean War, from mm. the Napoleonic War, they'd straightened that curve up a little bit with a, a new, a differently patterned sword that had come in 
in the four, uh, 70, uh, I can't remember when it came in, but it, they had straightened it to make it a little bit more like a, a heavy cavalry sword. But there's this argument between cut and thrust. Mm-hmm. And if you can imagine, RJ, you sat on a horse, mm-hmm. got your arm out, like straight out. Yeah. You're a heavy cavalry, you're holding a, a heavier straight sword and you're aiming uh-huh. to go with the point of the sword. Well, right. light cavalry, your thumb isn't vertical to the your thumb would be vertical to the to the floor uh, facing the floor if you were in heavy cavalry but light cavalry your thumb would be horizontal you'd be horizontal so you and so as you come in you're gonna you're gonna make a cut because the the blade's not going to be sharp until about say 10 centimeters back from the end of the blade right okay so then there's this argument in, in 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 cavalry thinking what's better cut or thrust so if you're charging if 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 troops are charging the the theory behind it would be that heavy cavalry probably wearing best plates on heavy horses carrying heavy swords Mm. and and they are they are they are a shock arm used for that purpose Mm. light cavalry yeah light cavalry is not used it's not used in that in that context it can be at a last resort but yeah. Um, so even even ch- cavalry charging cavalry would be bad enough with lights, but yeah. send light cavalry down a death valley as they call. Is, is light cavalry more like gentlemen sort of? No, they're all fighting. They're all, they're all, they're all, it's just that they're light. They're on lighter horses. They're fast. Yeah. They're nimble. They yeah. uh, they um, and then you've got the different types. So you've got chasseurs, which is French for um, hunter. Chasseurs a cheval, which is a horse. Yeah. Chasseurs a pied, which would be on foot. foot yeah. but, but, but chasseurs being, um, being cavalry. Light, light cavalry. Yeah. Hussars that like to think themselves a bit better mm. than chasseurs just because of their dilettante dress. But right. they're not. They're just the same. And yeah. then you've got um, what we call dragoons, which oh, can yeah. be light, medium or heavy. Yeah. Um, um, in traditionally, they carried carbines and used to fire from the saddle. But by the time we, they came back from Napoleonic in late Napoleonic into uh, Crimean, were they were the, the way of thinking was to put them back off the saddle again and onto the ground. But but light yeah. dragoons would be light chasseurs and hussars, mm. very very similar in 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 their role. So, yeah. and then of course, lancers who cardigan, as you mentioned, mm. this guy with the la- huge long lances with the point on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the um, again. They're sort of um, they're still light cavalry. They're still yeah. But, but one of their main roles in combat of light cavalry mm. is mm. pursuit of a routing enemy. So they would right. sit on a flank. They would wait for the battle to unfold. And once the line breaks, whether it's infantry or cavalry, and as they're running away, you would then send your light troops off a flank to destroy their will to regroup. You would they would finish them off with the cuts yeah. as they're running away desperately, and in, in, you would finish them off. And that's yeah. that's what light cavalry are designed for. They're yeah. not they're not designed for the purposes that they're not going to sort of like really. How would you put it? We'll have to do a bit of editing here, but. They're not going to sort of like completely decimate this sort of group, this Russian group. They're not that kind of army, are they? That, that, they're not that level. No, they're, they're uh, very, very experienced. They're, they're light cavalry, as we say, they're, they're, 
they they used as a, a, a kind of follow-ups really they yeah um, sweeping up stuff at the end i guess mopping up and things of that nature but yeah. they're not mopping up uh, would you think the cavalry the, the light cavalry are more of a sort of emblematic kind of like a sort of show but they're not that obviously they're very no important. but they can be no but what they can be used for is you can mm. place them somewhere and mm. the threat of them the threat of seeing cavalry on top of a hill mm. can make artillery or infantry be, go on the defensive or not do something that they might want to do. Right, yeah. Because you might be using your light cavalry as a screen because they don't know yeah. what's behind that light cavalry. Uh, you could have a whole yeah. army behind it. Yeah. So you don't yeah. know. You And they're screening mm. it. So you, they can't go mm. up there. They don't go up the hill to see because they might be so... Yeah very useful so useful yeah. it's uh, for reconnaissance and for for seeing and all the rest of it yeah. so so it's a very very as we said it's a very very strange thing and um and i said with the firepower that was the sword now you know we said about um the infantry um they had yeah. these smooth or musketry weapons in in um yeah we're talking about the, the russians Prussians. oh yes yeah, yeah. but now things are getting a little bit more accurate They've still got these smooth bore uh, muskets, but they've got these what they call patterned mini rifle thing, where it's an actual right. rifle bullet. But again, as you quite rightly said, all their pa- they haven't got too many of them in the infantry ranks no. No. Uh, because the patterns are just coming through. But what they do have, they've still got to stick the ramrod down to reload. Oh, have they? Right. Yeah, they still have to do that. So, um, so that's yeah. going on. And another advancement on they've they'll be firing sometimes shell as well as shot, which is the big round shot. Yeah, they fire from the cannon mm-hmm. and shell. And of course, once they get closer, they will uh, be firing what they call canister out of the guns, the big artillery guns, which is little uh, round ball bearings uh, and once so they get d- basically like dirty bomb type things. They just all these ball bearings just splay out and. Uh, it's absolutely devastating at close yeah. range. So awful, really, isn't it? So, it's quite, so, so technology has moved a little bit, but mm. it, there is still a, a Napoleonic um, kind of way of, of of thinking. Now, this guy, um, this guy Nolan, he was uh, originally fifteenth Hussars, a captain. He'd been trained in. Um, his father was a minor diplomat, and his his mother was Italian, and he he'd been. Um, He'd been with an Austrian school for a number of years. Mm. He was he'd become a he'd learned all warfare and earthworks and bridge building as a pioneer school. And he was a theorist and he'd written several books on cavalry. He was a brilliant, brilliant horseman, fantastic yeah. rider. And what is really crazy about all this nepotism in the uh, in the austrian where he was at the time and he he couldn't get any more advancement i think he was a cornet at the time which is um second Mm. lieutenant equivalent of and so um he wanted a transfer to the british army right his father's british and the guy interviewed him in london for the to to join the british army Mm. years before was actually somerset who is actually lord raglan (laughs) he interviewed him he interviewed him for that job, mm. which is mm. absolutely crazy. It's all absolute madness. And so you've got is it this. Worth, is it worth mentioning? <clears throat> I didn't know this, but is it worth mentioning about all these laws? Because we got I messed up a little bit at the beginning there. The laws is that they buy all these commissions, don't they? 
Yes, that's that's a really good point. Is the fact that um, it, that was the way at that time that they yeah. would, they would buy their commission as a second lieutenant or whatever as a commissioned into a particular regiment, mm. and then once they gained some experience, they would yeah. then try and purchase a captaincy or whatever. I think I, that, I get the impression that all these lords were kind of like playing, being kind of like playing. Yeah, war, it's, a, it's a very yeah, good almost, point. In Raglan's case, which is uh, Somerset, yeah. name, Fitzroy Somerset, he, yeah. to be fair to him, he'd been through the whole of the yeah, well insular, the, Na Napoleonic campaigns in yeah, the, yeah. what yeah. we call the uh, Iberian Peninsula. That's Napoleonic mm. uh, in terms of fighting in Spain and, Port and Portugal. Right. The, um, and of course, he'd gone through Talavera, Busaco. He was at Badajir over the breach there, Talavera, Salamanca. And and the, even at the Hundred Days War, Raglan was actually at the side of Wellington. Yeah, um, that's right. Lost, he lost his arm, didn't he? He lost, lost his, his arm, arm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, in in eighteen fifteen. But yeah. we're talking. But then we've got forty five years mm. later. Mm. And uh, he hadn't really been in charge, had he? Of, of yeah, like this, some, he? a lot of a lot of you see a lot of the historians painting a picture of him as a. Uh, or some of the better historians as a a nice, lovely, elderly gent uh, who was an ineffectual commander. Right. I think. Yeah. I think. Well, they tried to sort of give that impression in the nineteen sixty eight film, didn't they? Yeah, with John Gilgood as the. Yeah, uh, John Gilgood. What but, a fantastic actor, by the way. Yeah, brilliant. yeah brilliant. Yeah. But does that but does that mean what sort of train is really their training at that time really experienced, or do they actually get training as? Or do they just learn warfare? What they will, the, the, when they purchase their commissions, then they'll once they're in, they'll they'll have to gain experience before they'll be able yeah. to purchase yeah. the next one. But of course, Cardigan was a typical example. Cardigan's his his copybook is absolutely appalling. Really, Cardigan, right. he's terrible. Yeah. In uh, he was uh, put on trial in the eighteen uh, forties for a mm. duel where he was having a duel with a guy and he'd, mm. he'd uh, taken a pistol and had it uh, customised, so right. uh, the hair trigger and uh, special forms of rifling that wasn't in the other pistol. Yeah. And he got off on a trial on a technicality yeah. that the wider public were absolutely appalled by. Mm. It turns out the jury were a, people, a lot of people from the House of Lords that right. he knew and he had yeah. influence at court. Yes, yeah, the thing. So they're all kind of rich people that kind of can afford oh, to do all this stuff. Cardigan, and, he and actually brought his yacht. He brought yeah. his yacht to the Black Sea, yeah. and every night in Balaclava, he was on his yacht. Yeah, I mean, partying. You yeah. could not write the script, <laughs> and you've got you've got guys who are under-provisioned, haven't got the right supplies. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely miserable as sin. The yeomans, this is the, when you dysentery, think of the... They've lost loads of people yeah. to dysentery. Um, yeah. When Raglan turns up, he's in joint command with Armoured, the French commander. Well, the French commander was useless because he was full of cholera. And he right. was so ill yeah. that uh, he, he's, all, he's kind of out of it. Yeah, do what you want, basically. Yeah, you uh, can have your troops, yeah. you know. And and so there's all this going on, and yet yeah. Cardigan's there, and he's got a yacht, and everybody knows he's got a yacht there, including yeah. Lucan and Cardigan. I, know, I thought that was really bizarre. Like on the 
well, in the bit of the film that I saw, yeah, there's people watching like spectators. Yeah, yeah, at the top. Yeah. It's like bizarre. It yeah. really is bizarre. But anyway, look, you go on because you were. I interrupted. So Nolan was having his interview with Somerset, or yeah, was and then with Somerset, who's, and then and then and then he gets into the fifteenth uh, of Zars or whatever. But yeah. You see, but Nolan for me, Nolan is is terrific because he's he, he's. He's very well liked. He's very well liked with the right. with his with his own lot. But he despised the aristocracy. Yeah, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? At yeah, that time? he despised. He he didn't think, even though Raglan had all the military experience of being at battles and stuff. Yeah. He still didn't rate. He didn't rate it, and he he was he, he was scathing of Lucan, uh, particularly Lucan and Cardigan. He he, yeah. he 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 just couldn't cope with it, and yeah. you can kind of see that he's all. He's all anger. He's yeah. all pent up. And basically, when he when he gives that, you know that order. Yeah. When, um, yeah. when he gets Airy to deliver the order, mm. they pick him as you quite rightly said because he's the he's the best horseman. Well, yeah. basically, the light brigade they're, they're six hundred feet below him. Six hundred feet. Yeah. And and all the other ADCs, the aide de camps, in other words, the staff officers, would. Tentative, tentatively take their way down 600 feet below them well mm. Nolan, Lou Nolan he'd go straight down he'd mm. take the shortcuts and he was mm. fast he was uh, ultra yeah. fast so he'd get down there and already he'd been down there earlier in the day yeah. uh, other, uh, and, and Lucan hadn't done certain things for example as they were attacked at Balaclava mm. the uh, Russian cavalry attacked the 93rd Infantry Highlanders, the 93rd, right. and okay. uh, they took two volleys of rifle fire, and they repelled. They repelled this uh, this lot, and then the heavy brigade. This is in the southern valley. So there's a uh, southern valley and a northern valley. Yeah. And in the southern valley, then what you've got is uh, the heavy brigade of cavalry charging in. And they uh, winning the day, although they took uh, a few casualties. And I think Trooper Farquhar, and that's a, a first-hand account if you read his books. Uh, he was with the Light Dragoons, and he rode over that ground. Somebody says that, that the heavies didn't take any casualties, but he saw good 12 or 13, 14, all with really bad wounds. But then they repelled them. But the mistake Lucan made then, the mistake was the Light Cavalry saw what was happening. And what they could have done with an independent action was just come down, as we talked about what light cavalry are used for, mm, mm. just come down, taking them on the flank and absolutely wreck them, you know, mm, sort of. Mm. A, it's that thing of, the, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's that thing of uh, what they say, if, you, if you're into sort of um, intermilitaristy, uh, Von Clausewitz is one of the Sun Tzu from two and a half thousand years ago, his book, everybody should have, and, uh, and von Clausewitz from the Napoleonic era. And uh, what is it? Um, war is an act of violence that uh, you do to uh, compel the enemy to fulfill your will. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so um, and that's a really interesting thing because if we go back to the light brigade charging all those guns and being absolutely decimated, mm. and you think, they're not going to compel anybody to anybody's will going down no. there, are they? They're just no. going to slaughter. Yeah. They're just going to be absolutely and utterly slaughtered. Now, what's it's, really what's really interesting yeah. is that 
got this charge that's going in. You've mm. got 17 Lancers at the front with Cardigan and the 13th Light Dragoons in the front rank. And the ones from the front rank, that the, what's left of them that arrive at the... They manage to charge home, which is unbelievable, but the ones, what's left of the front rank actually get to the guns. And they hack mercifully at the Russians in revenge for the fearful havoc that they've caused. And behind them, you've got the 11th Hussars and the 4th Light Dragoons. They're mm. about 400 yards back behind the first rank. But you know what's happening to them? They're falling over casualties that are in front of them so they're, yeah, they're in yeah. disarray you see yeah yeah remember you've got fire from three sides yeah yeah all, all you've around got yeah. shells shot big iron balls that bounce you've got shells that explode then you've got this canister coming at them and then behind them another 300 yard behind them you've got the eighth hussars mm. uh, in the rear and they're the only formation that managed to reach the guns in good order yeah but um, but the smoke was so thick they couldn't really see much and the entire action as we said was all over in 20 minutes yeah uh, of 673 men only 195 answered the first muster and a lot mm. of them were severely cut to pieces yeah so and obviously the the french uh, cavalry came behind them or they came in at one of the flanks mm. but but basically what the listener needs to know is there was a, a southern valley and mm. a northern valley and remember, you were saying that where the light brigade were, where Lucan and Cardigan were, they couldn't see to the right up on what they call Causeway Heights mm, mm. on the right hand side. That There's the northern valley, hills and things on one side. And then, and then there's an, another valley. And on that hill, there's the Causeway Heights. This is where the, the Turkish uh, big naval guns were supposedly being dragged off. The, oh, the redoubts. Yeah. Yeah. The redoubts. Yeah. You redoubts. Yeah. He couldn't, he, he, they couldn't see that. They couldn't see that bit, right. They, they just couldn't see it. Mm. And the only guns that they could, they knew about well, was the that the ones. Russians had reformed yeah. right at the bottom of the valley. But now, they're big guns, aren't they? They're big guns, aren't they? They were, they were pretty huge, big guns, yeah, they were yeah. pulling away. But so um, he wouldn't have gone in with the light cavalry there, would you? He just wouldn't um, do that. Even, well, you've hit the nail on the head there. You've hit the nail because one thing I noticed was that when Lucan's reading that order, mm. he would have thought, surely Raglan's not going to send the light brigade up there without infantry support. Having said that, the light cavalry on their own is the fastest arm on the battlefield. So um, if they're waiting for infantry, even if the infantry are there, it's going to take them some time. But they will be quick. They will be fast to get up there if they're on their own. Yeah. Because the infantry haven't got out of bed yet. They're still, they're still behind yeah. the support. Mm. They're still coming up. What's mm. really strange about this, you've got cavalry in front of, you know, we're starting a campaign where there's a battle going on. The infantry should have they're not there. He's got. He's had the yeah. 93rd Highlanders protecting the right hand side, but but the rest of them, they're not even was there he, yet. Was he really exactly. saying? Was he really saying go and sort out those earthworks, red out places? Was he really just yeah, what, saying go? Was I think he not he saying? Wanted, yeah, it's a good good question. I think what he wanted them to do, Raglan, was mm. go up onto the Causeway Heights, yeah. and. Uh, Ride down towards the uh, guns that they that he thought they were trying to drag yeah, away, stealing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
But what I I understood was that the uh, the Turks under the uh, I, I hope he was still alive the one NCO yeah, the one, yeah you said the one yeah. guy I hope they apparently I think they spiked those guns in other words they disarmed them they'd wrecked them as they as they left them when the when the Russians were coming to take the position mm. they spiked the guns so they mm. were they wouldn't work anyway right but the the thought process behind this was that Raglan mentor had been wellington for years and maybe wellington in his whole of his career had never lost an artillery gun being pulled away that's right yeah yeah maybe raglan's thinking is i can't possibly have that happen to me well he probably thinks it would weaken their position generally yeah yeah Mm. this business so so basically you've got this order what, what's your take on the actual order? Do you think it makes sense or not? Um, no, it doesn't, because it looks like it is uh, Lord Raglan yeah, wishes the cavalry. This is advanced rapidly to the front, and you kind of think, well, that must mean the main, the main sort of battling it's ground. Bad. At the moment, if the listener knows, there's there's, there's Sapon Heights on um, this hill, mm. and then where the light brigade are, and they're looking down. There's two yeah. valleys, a northern valley and a southern valley, and they're more or less looking down towards the northern valley. Now, the, yeah. the Russians have regrouped down the bottom of this valley. Yeah. Had the light brigade taken what I said in the flank in the first place, it would have destroyed a lot of their thinking. And yeah. throughout the whole of this campaign, yeah. nobody was ever winning. Any battle that took place, one side withdrew from the other. Right. Uh, the Russian commanders were just as poor as the british and commanders they, it wasn't a good campaign to to no. look at so based on this theory if the light brigade had done that i don't think they'd have bothered regrouping they'd have gone off to fight another day they wouldn't mm. have bothered uh, mm. i know the russians have a much bigger force and everything but mm. um but you you think but if you were reading that order rj what do you what would you think i would, would think, think it was bizarre i would think it would be a little bit bizarre just just from what i now know and looking at things but do you think they were being audacious the russians were just being a little bit audacious they thought well let's go in and see if we can get something from that those earthwork forts that wasn't really like a, a major skirmish or battle was it that's just them sort of trying something out and they were thinking... Well, the thing is, the Brits are trying to bombard Sevastopol. They've got to do something about it because they don't want to lose their naval base because that's, that's, they've got to stop that. Yeah, Sevastopol's a bit further across, but you well, see the Russians are, were kind of like were giving that a bit of a hammering then. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, actually, these big guns up on the heights, these big naval guns, yeah, they're up there, but they're pounding away. They're like an early warning system for the British and the French to um, start developing and getting their dispositions together and prepare to receive the Russians for battle. These guns will have been pounding away for long enough um, and the Russians will have been taking casualties and for the Russians to um, proceed they've got to uh, at some stage uh, get up there and and take those guns and uh, they'll keep pounding away with these guns, uh, three in one redoubt, two in another, there's about five redoubts up there altogether They've just been pounding away, trying to get as many casualties as the last possible moment. And of course, as we said, the British command had not really secured enough. They had the 93rd Highlanders out there as a kind of a rear guard thing. Um, they had the uh, heavy brigade got up there, um, cavalry and the light cavalry. No sign of the other British infantry. They're not, as we said, out of bed yet. But the Russians have to do this because 
they want to protect their naval base that's been bombarded and they've got to try and do something and that's so they you know they knew they were going to come at some stage so um so that's that's why the the guns were up there they were a listening post basically like a listening post in the jungle but they're just pounding away and um, hopefully trying to keep the russians in check long enough um till they can get um get prepared yeah and the, the russians are then attacking but they've been they've been repelled by the 93rd uh, highland yeah. infantry fantastic yeah. action there then the brits were winning the day by the mm. charge of the heavy brigade some people say it never happened but i've read enough first-hand accounts in, including trooper farquhar and the great great times writer william russell who was a absolute mm. first-class correspondent if you yeah. read his stuff yeah. and there's some other but if you look at all the first-hand account um, a lot of accounts and books later mm. occasionally people said what happened there but um there was a chance there was a chance to knock out the russians early on and that wasn't exploited no, um no. apparently lucan had been sat on that uh Sapporn heights and given orders earlier in yeah. the day by raglan who wasn't he wasn't sure then and so mm. he didn't do anything he'd, oh, he'd, he'd been no. there most of the day and nolan was absolutely beside himself i think yeah he wanted to see a bit of action, didn't he? He was yeah. really frustrated. But if you he? were a but if you were a general, RJ, mm. and I'm a captain, and uh, you can tell me what to do, so it just seemed really odd that these pompous lords mm. who were so so far up the ladder would think that would take this from Nolan because wouldn't they think, check? Think, you wouldn't you think they would check? But it would take another fifteen minutes, wouldn't it? It would take another half an hour. Could take could take a while. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. But but what what I don't understand is Nolan Nolan is is beside himself and Lucan's deliberating over the order. But um, but I mm. think I I think I I think I, I worked it out. I I, I don't oh, think any right. historians ever worked it out. But oh yeah, okay. I, I think I've got to go for the majugler here. Okay. Well, because you missed it off the order. The order right. is troop, troop horse artillery to a company if you want, if they wanted. Yeah. And he puts on the bottom immediate. Oh, I see. Hunter. So you think there's more to that order than what there's I There's more read. to that order because, because he says troop, troop horse artillery may accompany. He writes that on the order. Oh, may accompany. Right. May okay. accompany. Yeah. You're not going to take a horse. Horse artillery is different from normal artillery. Horse right. artillery rides uh, in Napoleonic times. He used to use them as, as, as dueling pistols. He used to send mm. his horse artillery out in front mm. of everything. They unlimber, they fire, they come back. This is how Napoleon used them. They were fantastic, really mm. fast. Mm. Uh, the other normal artillery is still pulled by horses, but they're much slower. They haven't mm. got the speed, but they've got mm. more power. So if he su so if Raglan is suggesting mm. that he may take a troop of horse artillery with him, mm. then there is no way on God's earth he would be going down the North Valley towards no. those guns because no, no. They, you, you, they're not going to stop halfway down and unlimber a, a gun carriage to fire when they're being fired at on three sides. It's impossible. Yeah. It, it clearly, it clearly, that horse artillery to be attached to them has to be another target. It cannot be that target. That That's know. in the order. Clear as day in that order. It has mm. to be somewhere else. And um, mm. Lucan, who's been sat there all day, is so much of an idiot. He well, can't. Because yeah, you've got the following: follow the enemy and try to prevent the enemy from carrying away the guns. So obviously, 
they'd have to see which they might the, the guns it can't be the ones at the far end the two miles down it must be some other as you say a different target yeah, because, because nolan says nolan says to him he says what do you mean sir what do you mean and nolan goes there's your enemy yeah pointing to the guns down the valley yeah yeah he doesn't really move his arm but he mm. says and there's your guns yeah so your your guns yeah your guns are not in... down the valley no no yeah they're two different things well, no, I'm just sort of saying it's, it's, it's really strange that a simple, it seems like a simple blunder, doesn't it? it does. like, it's if so, you so thought simple. this through, <laughs> but if you thought, could have avoided it. Now, they were so pompous. You know, Nolan's looking at them thinking, how could you ask me for more clarification? Are you an idiot or something? Yeah. You know, this is how Nolan's looking at them. But I would yeah. say he's saying, there's your enemy and there's your guns. And actually, I don't buy this, but some people could say that the interpretation was different. And he's, he was saying, there's your enemy, there's the guns, the and your. But I don't buy that argument. I think it's your. Yeah. When he says your guns, your, the word your guns is the, the enemy. And they're not your guns. I no. think your guns means the ones on the Causeway Heights. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying, well, we can't see any guns. We can't. No, because they see couldn't them. see that bit, could they? They couldn't see that. Yeah. No. All he had to say, which guns? Which guns does he mean? And then yeah. he could swing his arm round to the ridge. Yeah. And then exactly. But apparently, but apparently they were saying that um, the Russians were getting a lot of troops up on those causeway heights, and it might well have been just as catastrophic. Had they then mm. gone all the way up onto the right ridge, up onto those causeway heights, mm. and then found that they uh, there might be a lot more up there than than they imagined, then they, yeah. they you know. So I I am I absolutely think the fact that he says troop horse artillery may accompany mm. tells me that you are not going to go down that northern valley because you would not take that horse back, you wouldn't take those horse mm. artillery with you. Because they'd just get, it'd be just wasted. Couldn't so was it. that extra bit of information, you know, that extra bit of information that you got on there the was... That's the original order. That is on the, but was that open... It's on the original, some people miss it off, but it's, it's actually not verbal, it's written on the order. Yeah, so this thing, so the, was this additional information, do they think, did they have an inquiry about this, presumably, afterwards? They, they did have an inquiry, and uh, what what is absolutely wonderful about this, RJ, is that um, yeah. poor old Nolan... What he yeah. did, when they started charging, he ran his. He, he, he went to Captain Morris and says, "Permission to charge with the uh, 17 Lancers." He says, "Permission granted." You know, with his friend. Yeah. So they were. He was going to. He was. He was. He was allowed to charge with them. But right. then, when they set off, they they set off at a, a walk, and then they'll go to a like a trot, and then eventually yeah. they'll go to a charge, and um, and basically. He realised what was happening. As they set off, they should have started wheeling round and going towards the Southern Valley to start going up Causeway Heights. They're going, they're walking straight. So he gets on his horse. Oh, so he now realises, doesn't he? He realises, so he rides to the yeah. front. And Cardigan had this bizarre thing that um, yeah. he should ride at the front yeah. and nobody should get in front of him. Yeah. Again, yeah. they're first-hand accounts of seeing yeah. Of Cardigan. Fleeing the scene actually of um. cardigan because there was part of the court of inquiries 
how the hell did Cardigan survive? Survive. He was yeah. at the, usually what happens with all great commanders and colonels is they'll start the charge. Then normally, because he's commander, he will probably drop back in the ranks and let the mm. first guys, because of his rank and all status and all the rest of it, it's bad for yeah. morale if he dies for the for the regiment. But <clears throat> he insisted on being at the front. But several people saw him riding back back um, yeah. while the last of his regiment was still actually engaged in the charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but that so you know they're saying that he may be charged up to that you point. You know the um, this going back. <laughs> yeah, I don't don't question his bravery. I think they're all absolutely brave people. Yeah. Do you think because Nolan dies quite early on in the charge, doesn't he? Well, yeah, he runs right. He, he's the first to die. He's the first to die. He runs yeah. in front of them. Cardin's mortified, and he, he's wheeling his sword, trying to get them to wheel. Doing an action to get so them to think, wheel to the right. Yes, if he'd been able to sort of follow that through a bit more, he might have brought them up towards these, what they were supposed to do, which was to sort of help get, stop these guns being taken. Because he might have realised that. The squadron uh, commanders and everything of each squadron, see yeah. what they do is when, when they go into charge, normally mm. you'd have uh, cavalry in a, like a column. But of course, yeah. they, they deploy into line. They deploy into all line. Different, there's all different cavalries within it, isn't it? There's different sort of You've ranks got, and. Yeah, there's squadrons. You'll have squadrons. Uh, yeah, squadrons. Yeah, yeah. And they'll be very, but they've. It's very, very unlikely they're gonna once once they've been given an order to do something. You're never gonna get. Different. Never gonna get. Them never, to, yeah, usually if you were trying to get them back, you would get the trumpeter to sound the recall which might might do the trick other than that if they're on their way to engagement it's uh, probably almost impossible once they've made their mind up do you think but do you think nolan might have realized that things weren't quite happening as he thought well, excellent question rj what you're saying there is absolutely key to this because if nolan had done it deliberately because he couldn't stand cardigan and lucan mm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Then he's the first one to be killed, and he's mm -hmm. the one that said he wanted to ride with the Seventeenth Lancers. Yeah, so and they're more as the front, earth, are they? Why on earth would he then, unless because of his drill manual stuff? Are they right at the front, the Seventeenth Lancers? Yeah. 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 So yeah. maybe he thought because he had this opinion of cavalry of being the superior arm in his head. Mm, and in mm. his lack of combat experience, maybe he thought, oh, nobody can, we're invincible. Mm, maybe. Mm. But my own personal view is I don't think so. I mm. think he realised as soon as they started walking and then going to a trot, he realised that they weren't going to wheel round. And no. so he no. so he rides to the front. And by that time, the first uh, shells are landing and then he gets mm. killed first. Mm. Well, so... Pretty bad, isn't it? So the modern the modern thinking on this one is that it's Raglan's fault, it's Lucan's fault, it's uh, Cardigan's a bit of fault, and it's Nolan's fault. The old way of thinking was that on the court of inquiry, they all blamed each other. Yeah. But really, the easiest thing to do was to blame Nolan because he was dead. Obviously, yeah, yeah, it so helps, doesn't it? They had a, like they had a get out of jail card because they. Nolan couldn't say anything, so therefore yeah. they blame 
they blame Nolan. Yeah. The one thing that they say Nolan said, he used the word attack, and the word attack was not used in the order. Mm. And it wasn't, so, was it? No. No, even on the bit say, you... Because mm. what you'd do is if you put your light cavalry up on the causeway heights, the threat of seeing them... Mm. Might the guys that want to carry the way of guns, they'll say, look, there's cavalry there. So they'll just leave the guns and run off and that'll be the end of it. Mm. Mm. So they've done their job. I mean, it's it's kind of one of these things really, as you say, it still gets taught in sort of um, military, military school. Academy, Santos, West Point, it's 167 everywhere. years later, it still gets spoken about, talked about. But do you think, what's the what was the, the outcome? Because it is... Obviously, Nolan's dead, isn't he? So there's no real account. All we're getting are the accounts of people that were there. They're all going to be covering their backs, aren't they? You know, all these lords and things saying it was blaming each other. It's very, it's very difficult. My own, my own personal yeah. view is that I back Nolan. I, I do agree that Nolan was he he, he he expressed his views within the squadrons within the. He was expressing his views about Lucan. Lucan had a, a checkered past himself because during the mm -hmm. potato famine in Ireland, uh, he, uh, he he made a lot of people homeless and he was ruthless with the, the yeah. people. And the Irish absolutely hated him for what he did. Yeah. Uh, he was quite a ruthless guy in his. Mm -hmm. He was because uh, he was mayor of somewhere. I can't mayor of Mayo. I can't remember where it was. He was mayor oh, of a right. place and he was. So he had a pretty bad reputation. Cardigan had a terrible reputation at home. Then he had his yacht. Yeah, <laughs> he had his yeah. yacht in the Black Sea. Yeah. Um, Raglan, the old gent with his uh, one arm, he's got such experience. But uh, I, it's um, to be honest, I, I could probably put a lot of the blame on Lucan for not interpreting the order correctly mm. or not mm. insisting, insisting. Mm that Nolan ride back and clarify that order. Yeah, as we were saying that, but that would have taken quite a while, wouldn't it? It would take a while, time. but then if, if they ended up carrying away the guns, well, all he's got to yeah. explain. See, for my money with Lou Nolan, you could uh, clearly argue that um, the reason he was impetuous and the way he was in one of the ways was because he knew it was about carrying the guns off. And if they didn't hurry up, they'd have gone. Uh, they had to get on with it. Whereas, uh, you know, the uh, Russian guns at the bottom of the Death Valley, as they called it, the North Valley, they're not going anywhere. No rush. You see, this is where, so my impression is the, the battle itself is quite symbolic of lots of changes that came about once all Absolutely. this information came through to Britain three or yes. four weeks later through the war correspondence, didn't it? Yeah. Um, is it well, worth just mentioning some of that? Now. Yeah, that's good. And um, we'll pick this centering uh, bit up slightly later in the talk, if that's OK. Um, but yeah, it's uh, about professionalism or the distinct lack of it at the top of the pile. Well, if you can say more professional setup, I guess, with the technology, improvements technology. In, technology. Yeah. in the set in, in the Crimean that we're talking about, we're in this great transition. So people yeah. like Rag, they're still thinking Napoleonic, but things are getting more accurate. Yeah, they're a bit old-fashioned, really, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and the biggest failure for me was where on earth was the infantry? One of the reasons why the light cavalry are sat up on the Saporn Heights, there's no infantry there. So Raglan might be thinking he daren't move them because if he moves them, then it's a free-for-all going up there over to... He's got, he's got nothing to protect that, that northeast, northeastern side. 
There's no. nothing to protect, just that cavalry. He's got the inf- yeah. he's not got the mark. And I'm thinking uh, the Russians were making mistakes. The British commanders were making mistakes. The Queen Victoria's army was poorly provisioned. Yeah, uh, all these things change. I think a lot of this when, changed. When we, mm. Florence when, Nightingale is famous for this time, isn't she? She's sort of making lots of changes. She stuff. was. She was absolutely brilliant. I think mm. we could almost do a whole thing on her. She was absolutely. Yeah. In the absolutely in the scheme of the in the scheme of this particular war, the French seemed like they won the war. But mm. for the out, there's a fallout was for Russia and Britain to sort themselves out a little bit. I don't know how more professional the French were, but the, my understanding is the Russians also realised that warfare had become industrial and you can't fight a war with just serfs and these sort of poor see, people. That's, yeah, that's a really good point because you, cause you mentioned to me earlier, didn't you, um, when we were talking about the uh, the uh, Industrial Revolution and the yeah. uh, Crystal Palace. The, uh, yeah, that's right, 1851, yeah. Yeah, so we've got this Industrial Revolution going on in Britain as, yeah. as Al Murray, the pub landlord, the comedian... Yeah. Uh, always yeah. says he says yeah, we invented work you know right, yeah. <laughs> no we got the industrial revolution this is why the transitions in the musketry transitions in artillery all these things were, yeah, were changed your soldiers you know you know the welfare yeah. of the soldiers you've got to consider yeah. all this aristocrats like um, yeah they were Lord trying to get rid of that well like that, that was they they were changing the war the way you You'd get like a, you'd change the army. You wouldn't buy these purchases. You wouldn't buy your commission. Yeah. And you would ch- turn it to more of a meritocracy in terms of you. You know, you would. Because um, you often you, wonder, don't you, that when when Nolan's given that order. Yeah. And then he sort of says, "Attack! Attack! What? Where?" And he looks at him. Yeah. Distaste. And Nolan, who's only a lowly captain, looks at his lord, yeah. his general full of anger and says there's your enemy there's your guns yeah. what's your problem yes it seems a, almost a sort of inverted snobbery here you've got this lord lucan of the aristocracy being uh, kind of intimidated by the impetuous uh, staff captain nolan and um, you know he seems uh, incapable of humbling himself to uh, clearly clarify and uh, when he's put pressure on by the staff captain he uh, then makes a decision you see lucan has a history of deliberating over every single order he's ever given which in a way is in ex- I- is that an ex? I don't know. Is it unprofessional? Is it unprofessional? unprofessional? Yeah, exactly. And no one's um, actually being professional in his way, I guess. But I guess he's just being really enthusiastic. But you know, seven, like you say, seventy percent casualties. I don't know what sort of is seen as acceptable when you look at these things. It's, it's huge, isn't it? It's just it's a sort of decimation. But the other thing also that's interesting. Go on. And I was just going to sort of say the, the war, what obviously our knowledge of what happened, which is also quite an interesting aspect of wars that came later, is the correspondence and how the information comes back from yes. the front line. And I think that changes as well, doesn't it? Because it also, when it comes back, Nazi, then it was uncensored. I think you get the impression that... Yes, again, you make a, an excellent point there, RJ, that there was no censoring. Um, I mentioned Russell again because of the Times. Yes, he did, on his very first dispatches, get something slightly wrong, um, but he corrected it on his second dispatches about one of the engagements, but uh, the early ones on the South Valley. But after that, um, but yes, you're right, there were no censoring, So, but the general public, with the accuracy of uh, people like Russell, who are eyewitnesses to this, they got a very good idea of what was going on. 
they just wrote what they saw. So maybe it's quite reliable. But then when they start saying, when the war, uh, the correspondence becomes more professional, do they not start trying to sort of, uh, you know, adapt it or make it sound better just for propaganda, yeah. maybe? You That's know, very interesting. That. Yeah, interesting, because um, Alfred Lord Tennyson, that you've already mentioned, with his writing, uh, the famous poem, of course, um, was a propaganda exercise in some senses. As, as you quite rightly said earlier, he, take, he took all the uh, ideas off the Times writings that uh, people like Russell had put down, and if it's, uh, it's obviously um, creating some form of glorification for the, um, the, wonder, the wonder of the charge, um, which is interesting. The classic from this is that we started with that poem, and it just made people realise... I think the heroism of these people is unbelievable, that they were so prepared yes. to go in under these instructions from these aristocrats yeah. without questioning it. And even at the end, they're still going, yeah, what, you want us to go in again? Go you want again, us to go yeah. in again? Go oh, my again. God. You've got, like... But it's interesting, because Tennyson, Tennyson's poem is um, it, it's a brilliant poem. Uh, it's a fantastic piece of writing. You could argue that it's a, it's a type of... It's a propaganda... Because obviously yeah. it's it's good PR for uh, um, for, for soldiering. So soldiering has to have yeah. it has to have that uh, slight romanticism to yeah. it. Because yeah. if they don't if they don't build that in, you yeah. wouldn't actually have an, an army. No, if you I got think. the reality. Yeah. They still had the bright gaudy uniforms from the Napoleonics. They were still in. Yeah. But by the end of the by the end of the century, they realised that you know. It's not a good thing to be in a nice, bright, bright yeah. <laughs> top. Class. So that's but it's an amazing, it's an amazing account in red, red regalia type thing. Yeah. So, yeah. But what do you think overall? Who do you, who your what's your personal theory? Who do you think's to blame? It, well, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I do have a sort of thing where these aristocrats just playing at war games. I just sort of think it, it is that really does come across quite. Um, significantly and I think obviously it was the sort of catalyst to change things and I think that was happening anyway the sort of middle classes were sort of saying like come on you you guys you might be le led by donkeys is it is that what they were saying <laughs> heroes led by donkeys that's a good one yeah, yeah. yeah. but you know I think the uh, you know you, there's a there's a there's a general blame I think there's a general gung-ho-ness a general sort of unprofessionalism which I think these days you just don't You'd like to think you don't get that because we're dealing with people and lives, and you know to lose so many people in such a stupid way is is is, is awful, really. Even 167 years later, it's it's, it's you think, terrible. I think they're all to, all all, are, all of them are to blame. Yeah, I think it's all a bit of their yeah, they're a bit of pomposity. They're kind of like you know. I just think it's it's not because in a way you could argue that Nolan. Had a little bit of inverted pomposity with his with his skills. You see, the thing is, Nolan was um, a linguist as well. Yeah, he was probably one of the reasons why he was a staff officer because he yeah. because he, he could speak uh, a number yeah, of languages. Very you useful. Say, you see, you weren't buying into your purchase just because you were rich. You could yeah. buy this stuff, but if you were actually good at something like that, Nolan was actually probably. Really good. He was probably a good horseman. Yeah, they even they even uh, designed a, 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 the latest saddle was designed called the Nolan saddle. He right. designed. You know, yeah. He, he, yeah. So, so, but I suppose, and I don't question his bravery, uh, even no. the matter that his actions. But, but he was he was so in 
contempt of these mm. aristocrats kind of the wrong guy really to go for mm. god's sake it's there get on with it yeah. <laughs> sort of like and they're thinking what send six on the other hand there is another theory i've got oh, you know it's business that lucan hated cardigan and yeah, Card they were not on speaking terms yeah, so yeah. so you've got these two guys that hate each other now lucan doesn't take part in the charge does he he sends them in now lucan oh, could yeah, be thinking, yeah, yeah. i can yeah. get rid of him once and for all oh, yeah. but unfortunately what happens is he survived yeah he doesn't you'd have thought 10 to 1 he's gonna he's gonna perish in this charge yeah but he well didn't. you know these you know these these sort of ideas are interesting but whether they would they have thought of that at that moment in time this is a good way of me getting yeah, rid of this guy would. i think they would i mean cardigan had, yeah cardigan had a history of cheating at a duel he once oh. had a guy arrested and put on trial for bringing the wrong bottle of port into a room which got thrown out of court and he was done again and yeah. then he um what else did he do he he got he got kicked out he was made commander of the 11th hussars i think and then he got dismissed for incomprehensible behavior he got yeah. kicked out and he asked to be commander of the 17th lancers and they wouldn't they wouldn't let him they wouldn't let him no. they said no 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 and then he kept at him and he had friends at court and his behavior had been absolutely atrocious and then he put loads of his money in to make them a lot brighter and a lot more money with his fortune and so yeah. they let him have command he had such a strange yeah. path so these guys i think they're capable of doing those things mm -hmm. i think they are but then again I, I to be fair i don't think that lucan would dare do that i, I can't believe it i just can't nah. believe these how i'll tell you what i'll get rid of him we'll get rid yeah. of a load of these guys but yeah. we will get rid of him yeah all these guys die but suddenly you know cardigan's yeah. come he's back at his side going where's my regiment you know, so yeah. he's perfectly all yeah, right. Gone. Yeah, but he just comes out of the dust, doesn't he? He comes out of the dust and well, goes, where the, is everybody? That's the argument is that once all the dust starts flying, mm. you know, he saw him. Yeah, there's none of that, isn't there's there? A, there's a, a theory to suggest that yeah. he didn't actually, you know, See, do everything that he says he did. Mm. Because but the only put it past him. How then. the heck if he's at the front, how on earth has he managed to make it? I can't I just can't see how because if they're firing canister at close range, two, three, four hundred yards canister, yeah, they'd, they'd be because what they'd be doing is at canister. So basically, they'd be firing shell and shrapnel um, and shot up to four, six, eight hundred yards. Then from four hundred yards, they'd be firing canister and shot. But even between two, three, four, five hundred yards, they'd be firing canister and. Um, mm canister anything on that front rank anything they'll all be taken out with that with the ball bearings so he it's impossible i don't see how he could have made i don't see how he could have made it no yeah it's bizarre that isn't it yeah that is a bit bizarre well, everybody that was in the front rank were decimated yeah and he was yeah, saying, there's something not right there is there something not right there well, that, would yeah, you they, trust anything would you wouldn't trust any of that like, anyway would you not a guy that has a yacht that's nah. yacht every night. Nah. I, can't, I can't. How did he get it to the Black Sea? I've never, because the Black Sea is enclosed with Crimea, yeah. Turkey in the south, Crimea, Ukraine over this way, and uh, yeah. to the right. I'm just thinking, he must have brought it over there. The Danube. Maybe. What about going through the Danube? Could he go through, he the Danube, through the Adriatic from the Adriatic? Yeah. Across? But it's quite um, a heck of a. Heck of a thing to do. No wonder he didn't get dysentery and 
and cholera. He was no. He was, you know. Well, he, he was, was all quite, right, wasn't he? All the yeah. He, he was fine, you know. Mm, it, mm. Um, but as you say, in summary to all this. Um, summarising, yeah. In summarising, I think that the very, very brave cardigan, that all of them. I mean, you know, the bravery's bravery's not in question. You know, no, not not in question. Even even if cardigan rode halfway down, then once all the smoke was there, he just goes off to the flank side and then starts riding health leather all the way back. Yeah. You wouldn't see him, but no, he did no. go halfway down, so he's still yeah. he's still very, very brave and. A commander should actually drop back yeah, to let, to let his front ranks go in. But ha- having said that, he's just as dangerous to drop back because they're they're dropping all this stuff right yeah, in the middle, so. from the sides, yeah, from the flanks, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you, but you couldn't take a horse battery. He didn't look, get anything from Cardigan, it. No, they all went. They all had to. They all went to, on a court of inquiry, I believe, and they all blamed each other. Yeah. And then, yeah. then when it came to the crux of it, they all blamed Nolan. Right, and he was dead conveniently. He's yeah. dead. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas my thing is, Nolan was that good that they sent him out early um, because of his uh, linguistic skills. They sent him to the Middle East to get all the mounts because he was that right. good. Yeah. He, he went on. He went on reconnaissance well before to get yeah. all the horses. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, so he was. He was. Uh, and then, then he had. He didn't have a role when he came back off there, so they just put him on Aries staff. As a staff yeah. officer, he just happened to be, but yeah. because mainly because he was the best horseman they had. Yeah, he was yeah. absolutely brilliant. You know, so um, when when they're off the coast of the Black Sea, you know, they mm. hadn't even wrecked reconnaissance the area to land. Right. So they were going up and down the Black Sea looking for a place to to get off. Oh, and I see. Yeah, so yeah. they hadn't even. And basically, some, some historians say, if the Russians, so the Russians knew they were coming. All he mm. had to do was bring his Russian army up and repel them coming in off the sea. But the Russian, that was a Russian blunder. Yeah. And it was a British yeah. blunder coming in. So the whole campaign was ill fought. It was mm. sort of um, Russians uh, having uh, influence on the Turkish Straits by, by having that ground. Mm. It's extremely useful strategically for the Russians. Yeah. Perhaps yeah. the French and the British are not too yeah. keen on that. Together yeah. with the Turks, but, so. but not not to argue over like stuff written in the Bible and oh, it's why nonsense. not believe this? Oh, no, it's, it's absolutely it's absolutely <laughs> bonkers. Yeah, it's interesting. It's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's yeah. There's so many angles that you could take on these things. Um, but and it's of course, we, what we haven't mentioned, we've just got to mention this. Is it Jack Higgins's book, The Eagle Has Landed, oh, with right. Orbust, Orbust, which is uh, German for Colonel. Orbust uh, Radl by the great Robert Duval and the fantastic yeah. Michael Caine. And when Orbus where he tells him it, it's uh, the Eagles landed about the, the plot to kill Winston Churchill. All right. And he says, that sounds, that sounds like the charge of the light brigade was a sound, sensible military exercise. Uh, yeah. They use, so that term has been used, yeah. used in books, you know, because it's. We're still talking about them, I guess. And learning, hopefully learning from it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So that's it for today, RJ. Um, and so if we had to pick one person, who would you pick? As well, a like you, I think to blame, just pick one. Oh, what to blame? Oh, just, oh, well, really, at the end of the day, the buck stops with Lord Raglan. I think he's, because he, he, even he said at the beginning, he didn't like the idea that Luke and, and Cardigan were having this little squabble and he yeah. didn't want them on the team. 
Lord, look, you know, the buck has to start somewhere. And I know it's an honour thing. And I know that there's honour, whichever way you look at it, just they're, they're, they're sticking together. But really, Lord Raglan is portrayed as this John Gilgood, quite a nice guy. But really, he has to sort of take control. Yeah. He is the commander. The buck stops with him. Well, I was going to disagree with you and go for Lucan. But you know what? I'm going to agree with you. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, no, I absolutely, I think you're spot on. I was going to disagree and I was yeah. going to go for Lucan and probably Cardigan, but Lucan mainly. But no, overall, when I think about it, out of all of it, I think it's Raglan. Yeah. Or did yeah. he? We here's another debate. Or did he? Did he do it deliberately so he doesn't take the blame? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, it's good. It's good. It's excellent. Okay, Fantastic. Okay, brilliant. Catch you. Catch you next Catch. time. Cheers then. Bye. Thanks. So that was our podcast on Charge of the Light Brigade. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. It just goes to show, doesn't it, that um, I had my uh, sights set on one person for overall blame. And at the end of it, RJ was a great counter for the discussion. He changed my mind at the end of it. And who knows, a couple of weeks later, we could all change again. But wouldn't it be a much happier world if um, everything could be um, decided on diplomatic means or at least fought battles on tabletops with little figures and at the end of the day, the figures could go away and come back to fight another day without any uh, loss of human life. What a better world we would have. To finalise the summing up of the charge of the Light Brigade in a nutshell, Lipperandi and the Russians, when they saw what the Light Brigade were doing going into the charge, they thought that they were drunk. If you read uh, Cecil Woman Smith's The Reason Why in Kingslake, page 129, Lord Lucan ended up with the nickname Lucon, and as far as Lord Raglan's concerned, throughout this whole campaign, by accident, he kept referring to the Russians as the French.